I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. It's been an interesting 24 hours uh, looking at what is happening inside Ukraine and Russian aggression and what's happening inside the Democratic caucus. And uh, a letter that was sent to President Biden uh, that was uh, first sent, then explained, now withdrawn. Uh, We want to break that down, what it is, what happened and why, and more importantly, what comes next. And we're really pleased to have joining us on the program today, uh, Yasmin Abutalab, who's a White House reporter with the Washington Post. And Yasmin, welcome to the program. And uh, this is when you've uh, you have followed all of the uh, ebbs and flows of this after the over the last 48 hours. What have we actually learned in this process? It's, it's a great question. So this, this started because um, Representative Pramila Jayapal, the leader of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, um, had led this letter, which apparently later came out, uh, started over the summer, of uh, calling on the Biden administration to adopt a diplomatic path in conjunction with the military and economic aid the United States has provided Ukraine. And they basically, this group of progressives called for direct negotiations with Russia uh, to try to bring a war to some kind of ceasefire with the understanding that it would not be easy nor quick, but that this was an important part of the the process. And this, this was pretty remarkable because it was the first time you saw Democrats, you know, not criticizing the administration, but calling for a pretty big change in, in the administration's current strategy. They express a lot of support for everything President Biden has said on Ukraine, but said they wanted this diplomatic push and on a parallel track to all the economic and military aid, you very quickly saw a lot of blowback to this letter. Uh, people questioning the timing of it, that it's come two weeks before the midterms, that it came one week after Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader, said the GOP could cut off aid to Ukraine if they take control of the House in next month's elections. So there was a lot of pretty fierce blowback to this. And then you started seeing some of the members who had signed the letter trying to distance themselves from it. Uh, so like you said, there was then this kind of walk back attempt by Jayapal to say, we just want to clarify our position. We completely support the Biden administration. We're just saying diplomacy is one of many important tools. And then, of course, today, I think the blowback was so fierce that they fully retracted the letter. Yeah. And so fascinating to to look at all of that is uh, the the uh, first walk back explanation, I think, was actually longer than the letter <laughs> itself as they kind of did the <laughs> mental gymnastics of uh, of walking that back. And then, of course, the blowback continued. Uh, and so you ultimately had that retracted altogether. Uh, as as you have followed this, Yasmin, uh, and reported on it, uh, you've you've mentioned this point that uh, timing is a is a big deal in this. Uh, of course, today uh, it was the classic uh, we're going to throw the staffers under the bus that uh, somebody released this without vetting it, um, which is I think is hard to do with something over the summer. Uh, but what have you seen in terms of what is really going on there and what does this actually mean uh, for the Democrats? Again, I don't think this is a split in the party. I think it's a split within a split of a very small portion of it. 
but it's creating a lot of confusion rather than clarity when it comes to President Biden's approach to Ukraine. I think that's right. I, I think you're right that the walk back was a little bit longer than the, the letter itself in, in some ways. Um, and of course, if you're already clarifying something within a few hours of it coming back, that's not a good position to be in. I think one of the interesting things here was, first of all, not every member of the Congressional Progressive Caucus signed this letter. So already you could see they weren't necessarily 100 percent aligned in this view. Uh, the other thing is, you know, you saw the members who had signed it saying, I signed it over the summer. That doesn't necessarily mean I would have signed it now or trying to basically downplay what the letter was calling for, saying it's not that big a deal. We fully support President Biden. We're just saying diplomacy should always be on the table. Um, but I think, you know, there's there's a very clear split in the Republican Party right now over what to do with Ukraine, how much aid to approve, what they do if they take the House. It's very different from how Senate Republicans feel. You don't see quite the, the same degree of fissures in the Democratic Party. And of course, they, they immediately have to walk it back. So clearly they are they're trying to stay aligned on this. But I think there was just a lot of head scratching as to why you would do this two weeks before the midterms in which Democrats are already in a pretty defensive position. And when President Biden is clearly already facing challenges and maintaining domestic support for the war. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Yeah, I think that's uh, having been in some of those rooms uh, as a staffer watching how those things play out. Sometimes it's the it's the group think of the members who all get together and say, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. And sometimes it's, <laughs> it's the group think of the staffers who say, yeah, this is genius. You know, our bosses will love this. Uh, any sense in terms of what actually happened in the room? Obviously, everybody's kind of going to their corners and uh, and not me, not my job. Uh, anything you're sensing from from your reporting? I, what I'm getting from my reporting today, and it's, it's hard to know because it's hard to know who's trying to save face versus right. what actually happened, is that uh, what, what several members or their aides have said is that they did not have a heads up before this letter went to the White House on Monday, that basically they had signed it over the summer when they say the, the picture was quite different and it was a different time to be signing a letter like that. Um, and you even saw one of the members, Sarah Jacobs, saying she would not have signed a letter were it, were it to come to her today. So what we know is that, you know, a lot of them don't seem to have gotten a heads up that this was going to go to the White House on Monday, or at least that's what they're saying. And um, they then, several of them, maybe most of them, pressured Jayapal to rescind this letter, saying they they didn't want their names associated with it. And I think they were, like we were saying earlier, very frustrated by the timing of all of this. So she came under, I think, a lot of pressure last night and this morning 
to to basically completely walk back this letter and and not demonstrate or not try to highlight this this division within the Democratic Party. Yeah, so important I think for the Democrats coming down the home stretch that they do have clarity in terms of what that positioning is. I know a lot of those members, the thirty or so that signed that, uh, many of them in competitive races, swing districts. You start adding all of that in, uh, and it, this is one of those where the the when to is every bit as important as the how to or the what to. <laughs> Uh, uh, of that kind of action. Right. Any any other ramifications from this? Obviously, I think uh, the vast majority of the American people are with the president still in terms of the aid going and what is happening to, to help Ukraine. Anything else you're seeing? Any other nuances that we should be watching for? Well, I think one thing for, for Pramila Jayapal specifically is that, you know, she's, she's indicated interest in seeking a leadership position and among House Democrats, especially as Nancy Pelosi is expected to step aside. And this could really hurt her chances. Mm. I mean, this, this really frustrated a lot of people well beyond the Congressional Progressive Caucus and those who signed the letter who, who wanted to distance themselves from it. So I think this raises serious questions about her bid for a leadership position in the Democratic Party. This was seen as a, as, as a serious misstep and an, and an unforced error um, that that just was was completely unnecessary and I think you know quite distracting just a couple of weeks before the midterms. Again, I mean, I don't think most Americans vote on foreign policy, so I don't know how, how I don't want to over exaggerate yeah. how big an impact it will have on the midterms. But I think there is just this is not the time to have these sorts of discussions or these sorts of divisions within the party. Yeah, I, I, that's such great insight. And that's why we have you on the program, <laughs> uh, because it's beyond the headlines. It, it's, you're, you're absolutely right. I don't think there are a lot of Americans who are going to cast a vote uh, based on, you know, a letter that was sent or not sent or support or non-support or challenge or questioning funding. Um, but looking ahead and beyond the headline uh, to what this means for the Democratic leadership races after the election, especially with a lot, as you mentioned, uh, a lot suggesting that uh, Nancy Pelosi will put the gavel down, whether uh, she's handing it over or 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 what what it may be. Uh, that's an important conversation, and this really was an unforced error uh, by Representative Jayapal, who we've had on this program. She's uh, she is brilliant and very strategic, which is why this all surprised me. Uh, is that the kind of the same response you're getting out of out of D.C.? I think, yeah, I mean, I think there there's a lot of surprise and confusion and even more so at the statement she put out this morning blaming a staffer. I think the whole thing has yeah. just really perplexed people because you're right, she is usually pretty strategic um, and, and thoughtful and, and has really kind of risen the ranks quite quickly yeah. within the Democratic Party. She has a very high profile. She's very well known. So I think this has just been surprising from, from a number of sides. Every step of this, releasing the letter, then the, then the clarification, and then the, the statement today blaming a staffer for it. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Great reporting, great writing, as always. Uh, Yasmin Abutalib, uh, White House reporter for The Washington Post. Uh, appreciate you joining us today, Yasmin, and uh, we'll have you back soon. It's uh, great insight. Thanks so much. Looking forward to it. All right, we'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. It's National Cyberbullying Awareness Month. New tools are available to improve interactions on social media. We'll look at that more coming up next. Stick around. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. 
I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.